I need to resist the urge to make God work in a system that makes me feel safe and in control. What things am I connecting with my Christianity that are not a part of Christ? You are listening to the Hope Valley Podcast, a weekly production of Hope Valley Church in Winchester, Virginia, with your host, Pastor Sam Rogers. Well, hello, and welcome to Sunday Morning with Hope Valley Church. I'm Pastor Sam. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Valley, and today we are continuing in our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. And we're actually picking up uh, again in Acts chapter 7. We're actually taking a second pass in this lesson at uh, Stephen's sermon, which is really uh, chapter 7, verses 2 through 53. And uh, in our last lesson, we took our first passing and understood uh, Stephen's first really big point that he's making in this sermon. Uh, And today we're going to look at the second point. So um, let me just give you some introductory information to get you kind of caught up with where we are. Uh, If you missed the last lesson, I really encourage you to go back and listen to or watch that one. Um, But we started in the last lesson to explore Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin. Uh, really after he was arrested on false accusations. And the accusations that he was facing, namely were that uh, that he was advocating for the destruction of the temple and an end to the customs and traditions and the law um, and really their whole religious system. This is what they were accusing him of. And if you knew anything about the culture at the time, uh, the Holy Land of Israel and the temple specifically were very sacred uh, places uh, that if anybody spoke against these things, it was a really a very big offense, right? Because of the way that they held these things in high regard and really, really saw these things as, as being the, the presence of God on earth, right? And so these accusations, though, that they were making against Stephen, uh, they weren't totally untrue, actually. But what they were doing is they were twisting and they were really misrepresenting his words. Um, why were they so upset with Stephen? Why, why were they so threatened by him? Well, the reason is because, as we'll continue to understand as we go through uh, this the speech that he gives, and we're going to take a second pass at it today and a third pass in the next lesson, uh, what we begin to understand is that Stephen was really threatening his people's system, okay? Uh, What is a system, right? Uh, A system, the most broad and simple way to understand what a system is, is a system is a way of doing things, and it's a way of thinking about things. And that encompasses a lot of things, but simply when you think of, okay, do, you know, me, my culture, my family, my community, whatever, if we have a way of doing things, like this is the way we do things, uh, we have a way of thinking about things, then that is a system, okay? And so Stephen was really threatening the system of his people. And that is really what brought him into opposition with them and led them to really want to get him out of their way, right? Uh, And so we see them taking his words and twisting them and really misrepresenting them. So we're going to unpack that some more today. And as I said, there are three big ideas that really run through Stephen's uh, speech. And in the last lesson, we looked at the first of these three big ideas. And that idea was that God works through innovation and change. And so again, if you haven't heard that lesson, I encourage you to go back uh, and listen to the one just before this one, or you can watch it. And, uh, and, and it's really important to understand Stephen's first of his big 
three ideas, but we're going to pick up on the second one uh, today. So uh, I'm not going to read through uh, verses 2 through 53 today just for the sake of time. Uh, but again, if you go back to the last lesson, uh, I read through that whole passage. And I would encourage you, maybe if you're listening or watching to this message, maybe pause right now and go read Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 53. And as you do, um, I, uh, I, I want you to ask yourself this question, okay? Where can you find God's blessing? Take that question and read through Acts chapter 7, verse 2 through 53, or uh, you can pause here, go back and listen, or watch the last lesson where I read through that whole uh, passage. Uh, but take that question and listen or read that passage again. Where can you find God's blessing? Okay. Um, unpack that question, and as you're doing that, um, let's go ahead. And what we're going to do now is we're just going to walk through again some of the key points of uh, Stephen's message, and we're going to unpack some of the things that he's making in the second big point. Because the second big point that Stephen is making in his speech is that God's blessing doesn't only exist in certain places. Okay, um, And we see that as he again walks through the story of Abraham all the way through Solomon, which are really critical points in Israel's history. And so, uh, again, as he, you know, he goes through that story one time, but with each person he focuses on, and with each story he focuses on, he illustrates all three of these ideas happening in their lives. And so again, that first idea was that God works through innovation and change. And the second idea we're going to look at today is that Stephen is pointing out that God's blessing doesn't exist only in certain places. And this certainly would have felt to them, and really it was kind of an attack on their whole idea that the temple or the Holy Land were uniquely um, uniquely the place where God could be found and he couldn't be found in any other places, which is a real attack on their system. Okay, But let's, let's walk again through Abraham to Solomon out of Stephen's message here and see how he's unpacking this idea with them. Uh, the way it tracks from Abraham to Solomon, you know, it starts with Abraham, right? And in verse 2, Acts chapter 7, um, we see that with the calling of Abraham, uh, God is... Well, let me just read it, okay? Uh, Acts chapter 7, verse 2, uh, said that the, uh, Stephen says that the, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. And so what Stephen is pointing out there is that Abraham received his blessing outside the Holy Land, right? He wasn't in Israel. He wasn't in the, uh, the uh, Heregate, uh, the hereditary state of Israel, right? The, the, their land that, where their legacy had been. He wasn't there when God called him. He was in Mesopotamia and in Haran, right? And then uh, we see this again when Stephen talks about Joseph, right? Uh, in verse 9, uh, he highlights that the patriarchs sold him into Egypt, it says in verse 9, but God was with him and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh who appointed him uh, ruler over Egypt, right? So here Stephen is highlighting that Joseph had favor with God uh, simply because God was with him, right? Uh, Joseph was not in any sort of sacred uh, ancestral land, right? Joseph was actually in a foreign land uh, under a foreign king, and yet God was with him because God was with him, right? 
he had favor because God was with him, not because he was in some kind of special place. And then we saw this in the commissioning of Moses. If you skip down to verse 29, uh, it says that Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian. An angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. That's verse 29 and 30, right? And so here, Stephen is pointing out that Moses received his calling while living really in the middle of nowhere. That's the one way we think of it, right? Just simply, Stephen's saying, look, he was out in the, in the wilderness. He was in the middle of nowhere. And that's where God showed up. But he makes an even stronger point in verse 33. Uh, it says, The Lord said to him, Take off your sandals because, uh, uh, from your feet because the place where you are standing is holy ground. And so we see that this, this nowhere ground becomes holy when God's presence shows up. So it wasn't automatically or historically holy ground. But the moment God showed up there, there, that ground became holy. So Stephen's really driving this point home in the story of Moses, right? But he continues in verse 38 with the giving of God's law, which again, is a very sacred thing to the Hebrew people. Uh, in verse 38, he points out that in the assembly in the wilderness uh, with the angel who spoke to him on Sinai, he received the living oracles to give to us. Israel corporately received God's law. This is what Stephen is saying. Israel corporately received God's law, once again, in the middle of nowhere. They were not in a sacred land. They were not in a sacred temple. They were in the middle of nowhere, and yet there is where they received this precious law from God. And then he highlights it again in the tabernacle, right? In verse 44 through 45, uh, he, he says, Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the testimony in the wilderness, and with Joshua, they brought it in when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before them until the days of David. So again, Stephen's making this point with the tabernacle. This first temple, the tabernacle, was, was really a mobile temple. And it was built outside of the Holy Land. And it was brought in with them when God gave them the Holy Land. Right? And finally, he makes the point once again with the temple because... Remember, Stephen is being accused of speaking against the temple. They had a whole bunch of beliefs and values that they had placed on the temple. Uh, and they were accusing Stephen of speaking against it. And yet Stephen is making, a, once again, a really important point about the nature of the temple, right? In verse uh, 48, he said, The Most High does not dwell in sanctuaries made with hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What sort of house will you build for me, says the Lord. And so Stephen is pointing out that God blessed the temple as long as the people would understand that he could not and would not be confined to that temple. But this is, very, this is the very thing that Stephen is accusing the Jewish leaders of doing, is really confining God to the temple and saying, this is where God's presence is, this is what God's word is, and it's only here, and it's only in our, in our uh, system that we have uh, built our culture on. And that's where we've confined God. We know where he is, we, and you can't speak against that, right? And yet Stephen is pointing out from their own history, from their own prophets, that God made it very clear, you will never confine me to a place. You'll never even be able to build a house for me, right? And so God blessed the temple, but under the conditions they would understand that temple could not confine him, right? 
And so uh, by showing that God's blessings don't only exist, what's kind of the point of this, right? By showing that God's blessings don't only exist in certain places, what Stephen is doing is he's attacking the premise of their accusation. So rather than just defending, oh, that's not what I said, that's not what I meant, you guys are misunderstanding me, that's not what Stephen does. Stephen goes, goes after the premise of their accusation, right? He attacks that because there was some truth to their accusations, but their premise was wrong, right? Um, let's go back to Acts chapter 6, verse 14. Uh, and this is what he'd say, this is their accusation. For we heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. You see, Stephen was saying that Jesus, not the temple, would now be the center of their faith, right? Jesus would now be the center of their faith, not this stone temple in this one place, in this one city on earth. So he was saying that, which would have been really offensive to them. He was also saying that Jesus was the final sacrifice, the completion and the fulfillment of their ceremonial law and customs. So this could very easily be misconstrued, probably intentionally misconstrued, to accuse him of being against God and against Moses' law, right? So we see what Stephen was saying. So there was some truth in what they were accusing him of, namely that he was speaking against the temple and that he was advocating for a change in the customs that had been handed down to them through Hebrew law, through Moses, right? So there was some truth in that, but they were twisting it. Uh, in verse 11, they said, we heard him speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. This is really where they begin to twist what he's saying. And but what we're finding here and what we're seeing inside Stephen's defense in his speech is that while he was saying those things about Jesus, Stephen was not speaking against Moses or God, right? He was speaking against the people's beliefs and their assumptions by pointing out to them the very things that came from the Mosaic Law and the prophets and their other sacred scriptures, right? He was, he was showing the story of Israel in such a way as to demonstrate I'm not speaking against Moses or God at all. In fact, I'm very much in line with Moses and very much in line with God. What I am against is the beliefs and the assumptions and the systems that you have built around those things, right? And so Stephen was rebuking the priority, really, what we're seeing him do, is we're seeing him rebuke the priority that had been placed on the temple and on their traditions, <clears throat> right? Because he doesn't have a problem with the temple. He doesn't have a problem with the Holy Land. But they had attached certain things in their system. They had attached certain things to the temple and the Holy Land and their traditions. And he is attacking that. So he's going after the premise of their issue, right? He's showing how they were worshiping their system, which is what they were doing. Uh, and by system, I mean, you know, their culture, their heritage, their institutions. They were worshiping their system rather than God himself. Uh, looking verse uh, 51, Stephen said, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You were always resisting the Holy Spirit. So saying that their hearts were uncircumcised was really a reference to like these layers of belief and expectations and priorities uh, that they wouldn't allow God to cut away. right? And in that way, circumcision was very symbolic of removing a layer so that God could get to the tender parts of our heart, 
right? And so he's saying they won't let God remove those layers, those layers of their systems, those layers of their beliefs and their assumptions and their heritage and their culture and all those kinds of things. And so by showing them that God's, uh, you know, the simple lesson, right, through his speech, he's showing them, hey, God's presence has never been limited to the temple and it's never been limited to the Holy Land. He's undermining the premise of their entire issue with him, right? And exposing how they are worshiping a system rather than worshiping God himself, right? So uh, that's just there what we see uh, in the second pass of Stephen's message, the second point that he's making. Uh, And so now I invite you to uh, ask yourself some questions to so re- begin to explore. Like, what are the big ideas? Uh, what are what are some applications that that we can apply in our own lives today, personally, based off the points that Stephen's making? And maybe what are some of our next steps? Uh, so, as you're thinking about those questions, uh, let me just share with you a few things that I jotted down for myself as I was thinking through. You know, what are some of the big ideas that I'm seeing, and what are some you know applications and next steps for myself? Uh, You know, the first big idea I have written down here is that we can mistakenly think we are serving God when we are really serving a system that we value. It's an easy thing to do, actually, because humans like systems, right? And, you know, systems make us, they make us feel safe. Uh, They make us feel assured. They make us feel in control. And that's why we value them, right? And so we can mistakenly think we're serving God when we're really just valuing and worshiping and serving a system, right? Um, The other thing I have written down here is that we can spend a lot of energy defending a system while thinking we're defending God, right? I don't think a lot of these Jewish leaders that Stephen was up against, um, I I don't believe that, that many of them, maybe even most of them, were fully conscious of the fact that they were resisting God. They had probably uh, so thoroughly confused God's spirit with their system that they honestly did not know the difference. And when they heard Stephen speaking things about the temple that didn't jive with their system, they didn't know any other way to interpret that other than to interpret it as, the, as Stephen speaking against God himself. Maybe, maybe they did, maybe they did know better, but I bet there was many of them that did not know that. And it's an easy thing for us to fall into. And that's one of the big ideas we can, that I think we can take from this to work on and, and be on guard with in ourselves. Because you and I can fall really very easily into the same trap and the same error that uh, the religious leaders of Stephen's day had fallen into. Uh, and then the last big idea I have written down here is that valuing a system can make us deaf to God and resistant to his spirit, uh, because God is bigger than any system that we can build to contain him. So the very nature of valuing and worshiping systems actually makes us very resistant to God and to his spirit. And that's another idea that I think we need to think about today. Uh, what I wrote down here for just how these ideas apply in my life and maybe what some of my next, my next uh, steps could be is, you know, I need to take a hard look at what I value and why I value it, right? Like what things am I connecting with my Christianity that aren't a part of Christ? I think that's a really important question to ask myself and I would encourage you to do the same. What things am I connecting with my Christianity that are not 
a part of Christ, right? And I also wrote down here, I need to resist the urge to make God work in a system that makes me feel safe and in control. So hopefully uh, those thoughts have been helpful for you in further unpacking uh, this second layer of Stephen's uh, speech here to the Sanhedrin. Uh, but before we go, a couple of things I, I give you to just pray and reflect on uh, today. First, I, I really encourage you to spend time today praying that the Lord would teach you to trust him beyond the safety of your systems. Okay, I really encourage you to do that. Ask the Lord, will you teach me, Lord, to trust you beyond the safety of the systems that I've built and that I value? And then a devotional question I have for you uh, this week to, again, reflect on and really think through. Don't try to answer this question too quickly. Is in what ways might you be placing God in a box? Okay, in what ways might you be placing God in a box? And how might God be challenging your boundaries to break you out of that system. Uh, if you're in a situation where you feel uh, like all your boundaries with God are being challenged, it probably is a sign that there is a system that God is wanting to dismantle so that you can more freely follow and, and walk in obedience to Him. Okay? Uh, so think through those things, pray through those things, uh, and I, I hope this has been uh, helpful for you in unpacking uh, Acts chapter 7, and uh, we'll continue with the next lesson to take a final pass at Stephen's speech and understand uh, the, the final point uh, that we're going to look at that he's making. Uh, so I hope you join us for that. hope this has been helpful for you, and I uh, just pray that God would bless you today. All right? We'll look forward to being with you again. Bye-bye. We are so glad you've joined us today. To learn more about Hope Valley Church and get access to free resources, just go to www.hopevalley.church. Hope Valley is a church based in Winchester, Virginia that meets in homes around the region. So if you'd like to find out more about home churches, how they work, and how to locate one near you, just go to hopevalley.church house. Thanks again for joining us and may God bless you today.